Welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff. I'm your host, Andrea Renee, joined by my co-host, as always, Miss Brittany Brombacher. Hello! Welcome to the show, and today we have a very special guest. We have Miss Kimberly Wallace. Welcome! Hello! Yay! It's about time, right? Yay! Yeah! We're so excited that you are here. Um, folks who are listening or watching might recognize Miss K-Star uh, from Game Informer. She's worked in the video games industry for a while. and We've ran in, in, into each other at so many different shows over the years. It's mm-hmm. uh, such a pleasure to finally have you on What's Good Games so we can finally chat about video games together. I love it. Let's do it. We yeah, love you. it's going to be awesome. So we, before the show Aww, began... thank you. The... Th- Oh, wait, what did you say, Britt? I said that we love Kim. Also, we've had a lot of fan requests, listener requests, to have you on the show. So it's wonderful. Oh, wow. That's, that's yeah, great. Girl. Yeah, you're kind of a big deal. Just putting that out there. Well, I don't know about that, but. <laughs> um, okay, ladies. I mean, she is a big deal. I, I got I got caught up for a second because I had a a minor technical glitch on my end with my stream deck, but everything seems to be working <laughs> properly. Oh, this show, man! If it doesn't turn into a dumpster truck of fire after, I'll be happy. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay though. Um, so um, we are all having some beverages this evening. I'm drinking mine from my What's Good Games uh, mug. Brittany has her very on brand whiskey. And Kim, what kind of glass are you drinking out of? Oh, Nightmare Before Christmas glass. <laughs> uh, nice. Try to show it off better, but yeah, it's oh, my favorite. Yeah. I'm into it. Um, um, it's so actually the glass to... I picked because it would hold the mod the most, but you know who's, who's, who's keeping track. Really. I knew we were cut from the same glass. This is, <laughs> this is going to be amazing. So before we got started, uh, Britt and I were talking about how we both have water to like pace ourselves. And Kim was like, what? Water? <laughs> Amateurs. Amateurs. <laughs> um, but um, we're going to go ahead and get started with some news. Um, you guys may have noticed that we missed a couple big news items last week. Uh, sorry about that. We're going to talk about Red Dead Redemption a little bit later on uh, in the segment. Yes. But um, I do want to remind you guys, if you like what we do here on What's Good Games, you can choose to support us in a variety of ways. One way is to maybe hit that subscribe button over on youtube.com slash what's good games. Or maybe you give us a like or a follow on facebook.com slash what's good games or twitter.com slash what's good underscore games. Or if you want to go the extra mile and think that this show really helps improve your life, you could maybe toss us a dollar or a couple of dollars over at patreon.com slash what's good games. We have some fun February exclusive Patreon content coming 
your way for our awesome patrons. <laughs> we talk about some of our favorite video game romances in the secret segment. Ooh. And Britt and I give a special, very much requested behind the scenes studio tour of the space that we record in here in the Bay Area, uh, uh, San Francisco. So uh, if you guys want to check those out, you, of course, have to be uh, part of the awesome crew over at patreon.com slash what's good games. Food for thought. Think about it. Um, but for now, the news. We're going to start with a rumor. No, it's not confirmed, but let's be honest. It's probably oh. probably going to be very soon. Yeah. Call of Duty Black Ops 4 is coming this year. So over at Eurogamer, they have some sources. And I'm going to read what they wrote up. They say, Black Ops 4 is in development at Treyarch, of course. The Activision studio behind the three other Black Ops games, and as you'd expect, is due to launch late in the year. The Black Ops storyline so far has covered the Cold War, the near future, and a further time period in 2065. In particular, Black Ops 3 had a fully sci-fi focus, something which Black Ops 4 will dial back to better fit the series' recent desire for a more grounded feeling in response to the negative feedback surrounding 2016's space-set Infinite Warfare. Word of Black Ops 4 first appeared online this week in a Twitter post from self-styled industry insider Marcus Sellers. In a series of posts made over the past few days, Sellers also referenced a Nintendo Switch version of Black Ops 4 was in development. A detail will we are still working to verify. His tweet said, sorry, beer burps. <laughs> Con 2018 is Black Ops 4 and is coming to PS4, Xbox, PC, Switch. It is set in the modern times and has boots on the ground. The Switch version will support DLC, HD rumble, and motion controls. The Switch version is also being ported by a company which is familiar with COD games. Sellers also posted word of fellow Activision published Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy, which is rumored to be getting a follow-up. So, ladies... Yo. Is this shocking to you, or did you see this coming a mile away? I saw this coming a mile away. I mean, it's the part of the three-year, three-developer yeah. cycle, and it, well, Black Ops 3 came out in 2015. Three years later, we're here in 2018. It just kind of makes sense. I guess the exciting part is it's coming to Nintendo Switch, if that's the thing you're excited about. Kim, I saw you shaking well, your head during that. Here's the thing. Those games just never do well on that type of platform. Um because the versions never really measure up with what the, you know, PS4, Xbox, whatever can do. And then on top of it, just like Nintendo's online and chat stuff is still, you know, kind of, <laughs> kind of is what it is right now. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, well, it's supposed to be fully launched, their online service, in, by the time Call of Duty supposedly comes out. And Call of Duty has a history um, on Nintendo consoles in the past. I believe Black Ops 2 was the last... Um, Black Ops that was on, um, Nintendo. I believe it was on the Wii U, but Ghost, I think, was the final Call of Duty that was on Nintendo systems until maybe now. I mean, but how many people that- did you hear say, I want to play that on my Wii U? No one. That's a fa- that's a fair point. Nobody. Everybody I knew that was playing Call of Duty was playing it on Xbox because back then they still that had the was partnership where you with it. Microsoft. Mm-hmm. That was before PlayStation took over that exclusive content partnership um, in the transition, which happened, I think, two years ago is when they kind of uh, flip flopped and PlayStation became like the Call of Duty of um, first console. But I mean, it makes sense because. Activision has the money to port it. 
mm-hmm. to Nintendo and, you know, Nintendo is having a really great run right now. And I don't think that they care, they being Activision, cares if they don't sell as many copies on Switch as long as they sell enough to cover their costs and to make a profit. Because I feel, I feel like Activision is like profits, profits, profits. <laughs> yeah, I'm... If I'm going to play a Call of Duty game, though, I'm definitely not going to get it for the Switch. And I think the reason why is because, obviously, like, like the PlayStation and the Xbox One are just so much more powerful. Someone could make that argument that, like, hey, you can take Call of Duty on the go. But I would be hesitant to see how that game even looks in portable mode. Or what is it yeah, called portable exactly. mode? Is that the co- yeah, yeah. Like, even playing Xenoblade Chronicles 2 on it, I noticed a, an absolute dip in the frame rate and the resolution and whatever. Mm-hmm. But that's, you know, that's the nature of the beast. Um I'm hoping that this campaign, like Black Ops 3, is co-op again. I really like that in Black Ops 3. Me too. I really like that as well. And I, I'm with you, Britt, that obviously this isn't going to be the best place to play this game. I actually was talking about this on Games Daily earlier this week about how I feel like I've had this revelation. The revelation being I'm looking at Nintendo Switch the way PC players looked at PlayStation and Xbox players being like, why would you want to play it over there when you know it's going to play better on PC? Like clearly like the PC is the superior place to play your games. And that's how I look at Switch now. And I don't know how this happened. <laughs> I have now become part of the console master race. Oh, if that's man. even a thing, cause it's not because the PC master race still exists. And now PC players are probably looking at Switch going, Oh yeah, that's child's play. Avi. <laughs> They probably wouldn't say obvious. Let's be That's honest. totally what they're saying. I mean, it makes sense though. The Switch just isn't nearly as powerful. So when you're going to have a game like Call of Duty and those campaigns are super cinematic, super gra- graphic intensive, like you, for me, I want to see the best of the best. I want to see it in that shiny 4K sexiness. However, mm-hmm. you know, other games like, um, Lost Sphere or Night in the Woods, or whatever, I'm looking forward to playing that on my Switch because like I know the little portability shindig can handle that. And then off I go with it on the airplane mm-hmm. when I travel. So there's a time and a place. So I mean, I'm saying, yeah, that's, your, what your I agree. that's more what I use my Switch for are the games yeah. like that and that you know are still going to look good and you're going to want to play it portably. I don't know if I'd want to play like Call of Duty on the go. It just, I don't know. I like to sit back and focus. Got to get those kills. Just chill. Oh yeah. Just chill. I get you. Um, well, we will definitely keep an eye on this. Obviously, um, Call of Duty announcements tend to leak every single year. Uh, and then they traditionally come out with their official announcement in May. I don't anticipate this being any different. Um, so we'll keep an eye on it and we will report back to you guys, uh, once we have official confirmation. But sounds pretty likely that Black Ops 4 is, is on the docket. Oh yeah. Uh, next up, some pretty exciting news for esports fans and really just fans of competitive gaming or video games at large. Sasha Scarlett Hostin is the first woman to win a premier StarCraft II tournament. So this, of Ooh. course, was written up by Game Informer. Sasha Scarlett Hostin has made StarCraft II history by being the first woman to win a premier StarCraft II tournament in beating two-time WCS global champion Kim Sos Yu Jin 4-1 at last weekend's Intel Extreme Masters Season 12 tournament in Pyeongchang. South Korea. Although a handful of women have been making a name for themselves in the StarCraft 2 scene by winning tournaments, Hassan is the first to win big at a premier tier event like 
IEM Pyeongchang. Previously, Hassan had won a major tier events like the 2012 Battle.net North American Championship and the 2012 World Championship Series Canadian Nationals. She is also the second foreigner to win a premier tournament in South Korea. Hassan had been performing well since her return to StarCraft in late 2015, racking up several top eight placements at premier events in the run-up to the IEM in Pyeongchang. You go, girl. This is fantastic. I'm so excited to hear this because this is StarCraft in particular is one of like the deep trenches of esports. Like that scene is so niche and so hardcore that mm-hmm. having a female break into that scene and then not only break in but win a major tournament and not just win like a close call, but she like beat him four to one. That's yeah. awesome. I know close to nothing about StarCraft. I've I've tried to dabble in it. I've, I've seen people, I've seen like those videos where like you see people, they focus on their hands and like the professional <laughs> players and how you can't even like, it's like something out of Dragon Ball Z, like they're moving so fast and nothing but a blur. It's fantastic. Yeah. So mad respect, girlfriend. You do what I will never yeah, be yeah. able to. Watching StarCraft is really like watching wizardry happen like yeah. live before your eyes. I um, mean, this is on the heels of some other really exciting esports news as well. Um, Gaguri is set to join Shanghai Dragons to become the first Overwatch yes. League female player. So Overwatch League, of course, launched recently. Um, female players sorely missing from all of the broadcasts. And they only have like one or two female um, casters who work on their broadcast team. And this is a game that is all about inclusivity and about diversity and has such a fantastic community around it. It really was noticeable. Mm-hmm. Um, the lack of diversity at Overwatch League. Um, so let me just read a little bit of this from ESPN. South Korean Overwatch off-tank Kim Gaguri Sionyeon, S-Sionyeon, I bet you I totally butchered that. Apologies, Kim. Uh, formerly of Rox Orcas is set to join Shanghai Dragons in the Overwatch League and become the first female player to join the league. Multiple sources close to the players involved in the organization have told ESPN. Gaguri's move to Dragons will not only mark the first time a female will compete in Blizzard's Overwatch League, she will be one of only a few women competing professionally in esports at the highest level of their respective game. An official announcement by the team is expected within the next few weeks. And Britt, you have a little note here. I do have a note. So back in June of 2016, she was so good at playing... Actually, I'm reading my own words, so it sounds a little awkward, that's why. She was so good at playing Overwatch in a tournament that she was accused of cheating, and actually two other players vowed to quit esports if she proved she wasn't cheating. So she did just that, even after Blizzard cleared her of any wrongdoings. She recorded herself playing for an hour, uploaded the video to YouTube, and now it has over 3 million views. And the two players that vowed to quit, Elta and Strobe, stayed true to their word, and they did quit. I don't know what happened no. after that, though. That was in 2016. But yeah, I remember this story breaking, and I was like, oh my I god. I do, too. Crazy. Yeah, it's... it's. I think to us, we're not surprised that she got accused of that, but it's just a symptom of a larger problem that it's so unfathomable to some of these players mm-hmm. and to some of these people that she would be good as a female player... That she must have been cheating. There's no way that that a girl could have been so good. She must have been cheating. I'm just like, fucking can we right now? <laughs> Makes me so angry. 
Welcome. It sucks because, like, you should prove yourself by what she does in the matches, and then that's always just not enough. Like, it has to go this extra level that it did here, um, which is really unfortunate. Now, can you yeah, play Overwatch, don't you? A lot, yes. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, she's uh, got a diva poster in the background. <laughs> I mean, oh, I had yeah. a whole – I went – Andy challenged me to see how long I could go wearing Overwatch apparel, and I went, like, two weeks straight at work, just all Overwatch all the time. And I could have gone Andy longer, McNamara? but we had to go on winter break. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm a pretty big Overwatch fan. Um I haven't watched as much of League as I probably would want to. Like, to me, all the teams are starting to just use the same strategies over and over again. And so I'd like to see a little variation and, um, you know, like I like that they're bringing in some new players to to accommodate. Um, She's obviously a good player. I know that people are going to be like, oh, they just let her in because, like, people are giving them criticism about not having a woman. And I had heard rumors that they had actually asked her originally and she turned them down. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but that was what was uh, said. So, mm. don't, might have I, came back to her I again wouldn't and blame her. her yeah, I wouldn't blame her for turning it down. I mean, because she, she has done interviews in the past where she's talked about how she's avoided certain tournaments and certain um, events and things like that because she does get so much harassment. Um, yeah. I hope that they either are compensating her handsomely or compensating her handsomely and allowing her to like, you know, kind of like pick and choose what she gets to do. Um, I also hope that she recognizes what a beacon of light she is for Mm -hmm. lots of other women who are looking at her as a role model or not even necessarily as a role model, but of somebody who did it, somebody who made it, somebody who sees themselves in her reflection and say, Mm -hmm. Hey, like I love overwatch. I want to be a competitive player. There's no females, but now there's, you know, Gaguri and she's awesome and she's kicking ass. And while she absolutely does not like volunteer for that responsibility, Mm -hmm. it's going to fall on her shoulders regardless. And I hope that she knows at, at least in the back of her mind, if she has tough days and if she has, periods of time where she's doubting herself or doubting why she made the decision that she holds on to the fact that she's going to be such an inspiration to so many female players out there and Mm -hmm. that can get her through so for sure i will send her love letters every day if that helps (laughs) please do do it we should please do (laughs) um all right so that is exciting news we will um cheer her on from the sidelines and hope that she does a great job and congrats again to um to scarlet on her fantastic win so uh we want to talk a little bit now about a story that we missed last week so Britton and i almost recorded like a shoe in segment but we realized it would kind of upset the flow of how the show was recorded about this news but red red redemption 2 of course make a big splash last week announcing their new release date which was in fact a delay and some people have question could it be delayed again take two is here to say nay nay red dead redemption 2 will not be delayed again so over on GameSpot, they did this write-up 
Last week, Rockstar Games delayed Red Dead Redemption 2 for the second time, pushing the most anticipated Western to October 26, 2018. Take-Two, the parent company of Rockstar Games, held its first earnings call since that announcement, and CEO Strauss Zelnick commented on the delay, reiterating what Rockstar said, that it needed more time to polish the game, adding some further words of his own on the news. Perhaps most notably, Zelnick said he is confident that the game won't be delayed again. Quote, the entire focus of the organization is on delivering the highest quality entertainment experiences of any kind. More often than not, we feel proud that we're able to do that. All of our labels are focused on releasing a title when they reach that apex of effort and perfection. And in this instance, Rockstar Games felt more polish was required. And naturally, we are in favor of that decision. In parentheses, to delay Red Dead Redemption 2. The date of October 26th is set, and I'm confident that it will be the release date. We are incredibly excited about it, end quote. Zanak uh, went on to say that Take-Two, as the company is not driven by financial considerations as its focus, bullshit, um, quote, <laughs> a genuine, not financially driven commitment to quality comes first, Zanak said. Thankfully, we run what we believe is a highly rational, exceedingly disciplined business environment, which gives people who are creative a very safe place to do their very best best work end quote <laughs> they i mean on I think... both of your faces <laughs> yeah no to, to finish this off in other news take two's newest earnings report showed that gta online continues to make lots and lots of money for microtransactions and we also learned that gta 5 has now shipped an astonishing 90 million i think it's telling that they actually put a date on it this time like It'd be more if they were just like fall, like it's pushed back to fall. But the fact that they put that date on um, gives me confidence. I personally am always about something I feel strongly about. I want the best game possible at launch. Um, and although like I encourage developers to make that decision in the moment of knowing that when their game needs more polish and work and Rockstar has been great at delivering us like quality games and i feel like again they will do that here um so and i'm actually excited to play it in october so well i'd be excited to play it at any point even if i got it sooner (laughs) but uh i don't mind that um that because i feel like it was never really they never really set a date for it they're just like oh spring and so for me it's not technically you know they're not like delaying the date date but they're just delaying the season um and changing that so yeah, I mean, this is what I said when I tweeted about it when the announcement was made last week. I was basically like, they don't need to apologize. They never put like a firm date on it. They just said spring. Yeah. And like delaying from there only a couple more months is not like the end of the world. Now, if they had delayed to 2019, I think people would be a little oh, yeah. bit more Yeah, and then I could see people it. getting upset. Or if they delay after putting this date on here, like I really hope they hit it. But, you know, I've seen games that do have a firm date like that. Like we saw Final Fantasy 15 at a whole <laughs> event celebrating a release date. And then, but I'm glad that they took that time and were like, right. hey, this game's not ready to go out. Let's just, you know, roll back and see if we can get it in some better shape. Because you look at games that do have rough launches and they sometimes do not recover. Like you look at Mass Effect Andromeda, like everybody when that came were like, this needed more time to cook in the oven. Um, And you wonder sometimes like why I I have this thing in my mind lately where I just get frustrated sometimes because I have to, I'll wait to play a game because I know it's going to be better in a few months, 
you know, mm-hmm. when it's stuff uh, like that, when you're just like, yeah, they're good. Cause I'm going to be honest with you. Andromeda made me angry because my girl's hair was like glitched up and I spent a lot of time on that hair and I really like that hair. <laughs> and I was like, so I'm like, I can't do it. I can't. Every scene she looks wrong. I just can't. Um, so it, it was, it was there. important to me. I'm like, I have to look at, look at her all the time. I can't do this right now. But you know, that's just like a funny little example I have of just like, yeah. Yeah, I would rather have a game in a more saw. I think everybody would. And I think like it does. It is a weird place we're in where it's like we do have this great advantage where they can patch things and fix things as they, you know, get released. But I just don't like sometimes when things are launched in like not when you're kind of like scratching your head like it could have had another month, you know, even and been fine. Right. And that's when I think the reputation gets tarnished. Right. Like you said, Mm -hmm. with Andromeda. Whereas if they had delayed, I mean, do people really get mad over game delays anymore? I don't really. Well, think and they, they came do, out right? during they came out during that time when all those games were out, like Horizon, Breath of the Wild. Like it didn't need to go out in that time period, you know. Like people had stuff to play. It might have been to its benefit to. If Steimer were here, she time. would say it was a money driven decision. By the way, we haven't talked about Steimer, <laughs> Andrea. Oh yeah, I mean. <laughs> I probably should have mentioned why she isn't here this week. Um, Britt, you had, a, you got a, 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 I was going to say an SOS, but that's not, that's definitely not what it was because she does not want help. She wants to be left alone. But she sent us a photo. So Steimer's, Steimer's on vacation this week. I apologize. People are like, we're like 20 minutes something in like that into the show. People are like, but wait, what's, is Steimer coming on later? Where's the salt? No, she, she sends a message and that message is, she can't be on the show tonight, but she sends her love via the sand. She is doing her scuba diving thing. She has not died. We're all very, very happy about that. She was worried about dying with her scuba diving, but she's alive. So, um, Good. like I was saying, if Steimer were here, she would say the reason Andromeda was released was probably a yeah. money decision. Let's oh, yeah. And I know money that on the too. books. Yeah. 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 Good old Steimer. But it, it kills me because, you know, yeah. as a huge Mass Effect fan and I just... I wanted to see it in, the, well, in its best shape possible, you know? No, listen, we're, you're preaching to the choir, Kim. We've talked about this on the show plenty of times. We all wanted more from Mass Effect Andromeda and wanted it to be the best it could be, but sadly, it was not meant to be. But I, I want to touch on what, what Strauss was talking about in this earnings call. Mm-hmm. As something that's, I think, important to remember. First off, of course, Rockstar has a commitment to quality and perfection. They have a reputation for putting out incredibly well-done games mm-hmm. because they have the luxury of being able to work on them as long as they need to. Mm-hmm. Because Take-Two has seen how much money they can make and has said, you do you, bro. You make us as much money as possible and take as much time as you need to make us as much money as possible. And because they are sitting on this gigantic pile of money, they, of course, can let their artists be perfectionists. They can have the highest quality because they have the luxury of time. And not every developer or every studio has that. And Yeah, that's exactly um, the problem. Yeah, and I'm not trying to say that that's Rockstar's fault. I think it's actually fantastic. I think it's great that they are allowed to spend the amount of resources necessary to make the best product possible. And I wish more studios would understand that. Obviously, budgets are important. Production timelines are important. Meeting your deadlines and your milestones Mm -hmm. are all important things. But when you don't have to sweat 
worrying about whether or not someone's going to get laid off if the animation that you're hand crafting is going to be well received or if people are going to be like oh the lip sync doesn't match the words you know like we were just talking about with monster hunter last Mm -hmm. week um but you know like i i think that it's great that rockstar is in such a, a a unique position but for zelnick to come out and say not financially driven commitment to quality comes first is like all right bro that's something you're going to say on an earnings call because it makes you sound really good. Well, it's but, like, of course he's saying that. GTA 5 is yeah, making man. them all this money in the background still. So it's like... Oh. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> hand over fist money in GTA yeah. Online. So, it yeah, they crazy. can afford to do that. But if that wasn't doing that financially, I'm pretty sure he wouldn't be saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's exactly my point. Um, but... We are definitely excited that there is finally uh, a date, October 26th, 2018. It's Dimeru here. She would be very excited about it. Um, but we also wanted to talk about some, some rumors around Red Dead Redemption 2 that Ooh. came out this week. Now, these are not like the Call of Duty rumors that are very likely to become true. <laughs> these are, you know, gotta take this with a little bit of a grain of salt. A grain, a grain of stimer. Yes, because they haven't been corroborated by any other outlets that I know of. Kim, have you heard of any other outlets corroborating these rumors? No. Um, I know it's a, it's a tricky thing because I think even if they are true, there's a, there's a, Rockstar is very sensitive about any spoilers going on, you know, which is understandable. They've worked so hard on that game. They don't want the real stuff out there that they don't, info that they don't want yet. So, um, yeah, I think they're in that camp too of like, I have no idea. And I'm saying this if it's true or not, but like, even if that is the case, I think they're probably going to try to hold back as much and probably be pretty bummed uh, as a whole because like I said, we love leaks as like somebody who gets excited about games and it's like, Oh, I'm glad I finally saw that. But it really, really, um, screws things up for their plans and what they want to show and when, especially when stuff just gets like taken that they might have not wanted to put out there. Um, yeah, it's always a tricky situation. Yeah, indeed. And I mean, I have not really put too much. Um, I don't know too much hope or passion or whatever you want to call it into if these rumors are true, but let me just go ahead and read them. So a website called trustedreviews.com has reported on this saying we first received rumored documents in August, 2017, but decided not to share them as they were unsubstantiated. Since then, a great deal of information in the documents has been validated in red dead, red dead redemption Two promotional materials. According to the notes, Red Dead Redemption 2's online component will feature Battle Royale, Revive and Survive, and Money Grab modes. Revive and Survive pits two teams against each other as they try and stay alive, as you could imagine. (laughs) You'll have a limited amount of time to revive your teammates before they are eliminated. Finally, Money Grab features two teams fighting to procure bags of money in a central location. You'd expected, you're expected to collect and return them to your base as quickly as possible. The memo also states, much like GTA Online, players will be free to explore the open world, although it will supposedly provide far more depth than Rockstar's previous online efforts. For example, NPCs will decorate storefronts with amenities and pack things away once night comes. Apartments from GTA Online will return in the form of tents, which can be owned and upgraded by players. These are 
purchased in the open world and also come in a variety of different themes. Online play will include access to a number of shops and NPCs, which can provide the player with equipment and missions. And free events can also be organized outside of standard playlists like spontaneous treasure hunts and death matches. So this is a lot of detail. Um, and what's interesting about it is that I don't even know if this level of detail um, is something that's going to remain the same. Um, I think earlier we were talking about how these are unsubstantiated, but Kim, in your history reporting, have would design details like this like really be available that far that long ago? I mean, because Game Informer does really fantastic feature stories that would include detailed dumps like this. But yeah, this seems I to mean, me like it was from I've too long ago. I've heard nothing to say that this is like that this is happening or not, but the the game like knowing everything i know if you don't think that they're going to take cues from what happened with grand theft auto online and put it into red dead um you know they will they of course they are because it was profitable and people really liked it so i wouldn't be surprised if some of this is true um because it is it does sound like you know something that could be possible for them um but at the same time i have nothing that they've done to say that is and you know rockstar they like to release the details when they're ready and i feel like online's probably going to be one of the last things we hear about too with all that and what they're going to do there I yeah. am admittedly excited Sorry, go ahead. if this Battle Royale thing comes to be. I mean, like, I haven't played PUBG. I haven't done Fortnite Battle Royale. But, like, give me, like, Red Dead and slap anything on it. I will happily play Red Dead Play Unknown Battlegrounds. <laughs> I, I mean, th- and that would be massive for them. I, oh, Quite frankly, I'm kind of surprised that they haven't. I mean, they've instituted something similar in GTA Online, but not quite. But, I mean, if you remember when GTA 5 launched, it was kind of a big kerfuffle that GTA Online wasn't ready. And it was yeah. supposed to be ready, like, a month afterwards, and then it wasn't. And then heists took forever to be implemented into GTA Online. And it really – they took their sweet time rolling out all the online features. But, of course, once they finally did – I mean, look where GTA Online is now. Ugh. They had their biggest month in December 2017. It, it is amazing to see that still spiking like so high for them. Um, people get into it, really get into it. Yeah. So I, I, as, as I said, I think Rockstar is absolutely going to have online components that, you know, could or could not be this. I'd, I'd, I'd like them to kind of reinvent it, though, and do something unexpected like the Battle Royale mode. Like, I kind of do hope that's true or, you know, for, for them anyways, um, or even their own unique mode that just, like, deals kind of with the Wild West, you know? They have such a great setting. Make something cool out of it. Here's a question. Because, like, in PlayerUnknown Battlegrounds and in Fortnite, they all get dropped out of, like, aircraft or, I don't know, is it a blimp in Fortnite? Or no, what, what did they get dropped out of in Fortnite? Uh, it's a helicopter. Helicopter. Isn't it? So what the hell are these cowboys we dropped out of? Horses. A flying a hot horse. air balloon. A hot air balloon. <laughs> Did they have uh, hot air balloons back then? I guess a hot yeah, air balloon. They must have, right? Work. I guess it would. I'm just saying, like the only thing I could see them is riding in on horses, and yeah. having that be it. Uh, but yeah, I like flying cool. horses better. Uh, I, I'm looking. I literally Wikipedia in. Hot air balloon right now. <laughs> um, the first untethered manned hot air balloon flight was performed in 1783. So, yes, they did. Hot air balloon Mind with horses blowing. in it. Mind blowing. We, okay, this, this, we might be onto something here, guys. I feel are they going to put their horses, their horses, 
Horsies <laughs> in the hot air balloon, and then the oh, horsies yes. no, they have to in the cowboys them. drop. Oh my, oh my gosh, no, no, you call the horse once you're on the ground. It. Oh my gosh, no, horses in the hot air balloon? Imagine if they pooed up there, it would stink for everybody. That's your only concern, if they poo. <laughs> I mean, put blinders on, they'll be fine. <laughs> I mean, horse poo is pretty big. Uh, yeah. Yeah, right? those horses the concern I have. that go around my city, and I just, I hate it, because I'm just you like, know, oh God. Not to derail too much here, but... I live in a neighborhood and everyone has a lot of land and there's a horse that two years ago, it pooed right in front of our driveway. And to this day, that poo is still there. Like it has, it's like, it's like, it's like 15 feet off of our driveway. That shit does not decompose. It just, it literally, it just sits there and it's been there. It's been through winters and summers and it's still there. Blows my mind. That's all, ladies and so gentlemen. So maybe Andrea was right that that is a big concern. In the- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for tying that together, the challenges Kim. of our time, you guys. <laughs> Feces. <Who knows>? Cheers. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, we um, are definitely interested and excited about getting more details about Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, we are hoping to be in contact with Rockstar and give you guys up-to-date impressions as soon as they let us. I have to imagine they're probably not going to do too much in the way of hands-on uh, before E3. But then again, Rockstar hasn't really played a part at E3 for quite some time. They really marched to the beat of their own drum as far as like, hey, we're going to pick and choose when and where we want to show our games. But I would love to see them at E3 because tickets are being sold to the public, which, by the way, in case you missed the announcement, E3 tickets are going on sale on February 12th at 9.30 a.m. Pacific time. The first 1,000 tickets for $150. After that, the price jumps to 250 Those first 1,000 tickets sold out day one last year. So if you want to get your hands on the cheaper ticket, you really got to Get your login finger ready to go. Um, but it did Hope take the them best. three months to sell out all of the other, like, 15,000 tickets, I believe it was. They haven't announced if there's going to be a cap on tickets this year, but, um, that came out. We didn't make it, make it its own news story, but, um, something worth mentioning for sure. How did, Kim, how did you, as somebody who's been to E3 several times, how did you feel about, uh, tickets being available to the public last year? Honestly, I just felt like, it was – I'm glad that people get to go to E3, the public, because it is such um, a great show and it's exciting. I remember my first E3, even as press, was just like, wow. And now I've, I've, I'm on like eight or nine <laughs> and so it, it's not as much. But for them, I felt kind of bad because they spent all these money on tickets. I don't know how many games people got to play. Those lines were crazy, you know, and then I kind of mm-hmm. just felt – bad like i don't know i'm a very like empathetic person so i feel bad at anything but i was just like i just watched those lines and i just was like that's not that's not going to be fair to them well people stood in them and they waited and they knew what they were getting into and i just really wonder at the end of the day how many games did they actually get to play and um i know for me it was more chaotic of a show that's for sure just like i remember strolling up and just seeing the long lines and just trying to get out there (laughs) and it's like wow but you know what i think having like enthusiasts there like there is that passion and i like to see that like i you know sometimes that's missing and i think we all do this and you know the people who come to those shows obviously really love games and so it's like it's cool that they're there to share that in a way 
It is. But yeah, I, I feel agree. like E3 did not organize it well to have all those right. people. And that's where my fault. It, it's not that I'm mad that like people, public is allowed in. It's more that like they need to be a little bit better with how they, you know, construct those lines and everything else. So. Yeah, I agree with you. I think something I've noticed among my peers is we all like to complain when it's time for E3. Oh, E3 is here. Uh, you know, because it, it is a lot of work. And we do bust our asses off if you're working E3 as you should. Um, but it is really refreshing to have that energy there. I mean, E3 is a lot of work. And, you know, I would I don't want to, like, lie and say, like, there's, like, maybe, like, a 1% part of me that's, like, all right, I'm back to, like, a week of two-hour, three-hour night sleeps. And the rest of it's, like, go, go, go. But the energy, and I'm, I still get so excited being there because I also remember what it's like. And, you know... I earned my first badge when I was doing my own website and it was like the most exciting thing ever. And the barrier to entry is much tougher than it was four or five years ago. And so if this is how people can experience E3, maybe this gives them a little fire under their ass to, you know, get more motivated so they can earn that media badge. I'm all for it. My appointments are typically behind the door. So like, you know, I I don't have to navigate the halls too much, but it, it was pretty crowded. So hopefully... And didn't they have the E3 Coliseum too? For- yeah, so yeah, I mean, did. this was another this was another announcement. So in addition to the badges going on sale, um, the Coliseum is returning for all three days of E3 this year instead of the single day that it was last year, which is exciting. Uh, producer Jeff Keighley returning. He did a fantastic job with the content last year. I hosted for Square Enix with the team from Deck Nine for Life is Strange Before the Storm. Nice. They, of course, announced that game at E3 last year, which That's is crazy cool. to think that they announced it and then released the whole series um all in 2017 which is awesome um i I agree with you kim and that the organizers the esa made some major missteps with how they handled just that many bodies in the convention center in los angeles and hopefully they learned a lot of lessons i hope so they will take some hints from people like Reed Pop and Pax, who run their conventions very smoothly, um, and put some better systems in place. But the way that I think about it, E3 is like, think about a major theme park. You're not going to try to go stand in line for Space Mountain all three days, right? Like, you're going to go and, like, spend your time hitting a bunch of the smaller rides, and then you're going to commit the time, you know, to be there in line for how long you need to. You know what they got need? one E3 dedicated fast space. Passes. Oh my gosh, that would be incredible <laughs> if they could do a fast pass system at E3. Get on it, ESA. I believe in you. Um, but I think that there's so much to see that people forget about. You know, you've got the indie mega booth at E3 now. You've got lots of smaller double A and indie games. You've got, um, all of the stuff that's outside the convention center, places like Devolver, places like EA Play, mm-hmm. the concert series, the food trucks. PlayStation always does a hands-on thing outside of the convention center as well. And so there's a lot of, a lot of stuff to see, a lot of spectacle to see just around the convention. Sure. Are the biggest games going to have the longest wait times? Absolutely. But I think just that. being there, being in the room is, yes. is enough value to people that they'll, that they're willing to spend money on the ticket. And truly, you can just stand back and watch. I mean, I've done this if, when I was just going as, well, when I was doing packs, I would just watch people play. Cause it's like, I feel like you can get a good idea, like, of what the game looks like. Cause 
you know, if you're at E3, like chances are that game that you're really excited about that was just announced, it might be there in some playable fashion or there's something going on and you can just watch people play around with it. And that's exciting enough. It's like the atmosphere, the, the loud sound, this music, the lights, the, it's, it's really cool. I'm like, oh, I want E3 now. I'm excited for yeah. it. Yeah. And if you guys are planning to come to E3, you'll get to see us. We, um, are working on some stuff. We can't quite talk about what it's going to be yet because it's still very far away. <laughs> but um, we'll be back at E3. Um, and we, you know, maybe if we get enough interest, we could put together some kind of a, a fan get together at oh, E3. yeah. That could be really fun. So um, let us know if you guys are planning on coming. Uh, you can tweet to us, message us on Facebook, write into us. Uh, we'd love to hear from you um, about the about what you think about E3 and if you think it's if it's worth going to. Uh, we were going to talk about um, the layoffs that happened at Capcom Vancouver. Um, you know, uh, our thoughts are with everyone who lost their jobs there, but um, there's really not a whole lot to discuss there outside of the fact that clearly Dead Rising was. Um, struggling, but the series isn't going away. Uh, we, of course, will keep an eye on what's happening over there. But um, if you guys want to learn all about what happened behind the scenes there, um, Jason Schreier over at Kotaku has a lengthy write-up. But we're going to go ahead and end the first segment and take a short break while we prepare for some hands-on with Miss K-Star. Stay tuned, everybody. We'll Ooh. be right back. This is where we talk about our hands-on impressions about what we've been playing. And I have to be honest, I've only been playing Monster Hunter World. Girl, so same. Kim, you've been playing this as well. Britt's mm-hmm. been playing. Everyone's been playing. Um, it's so taken over my life. Like, all I go home and I want to catch the monster, capture it, like, get my new you armor. Them? Well, do you yeah. kill them or do you actually oh okay well you I capture, capture I capture too capture you get better stuff but it's harder to do and some days I just don't have patience for that but um you know yeah I got really so, pissed because I got oh. a new armor set like I have this really pretty butterfly armor and then I found this helmet that was super nice and then all of a sudden, like, well, now that's super nice. That was like gonna raise all my stats. And then I put it on my girl, and I was like, oh, that's not. Mm-mm, I can't even look at her. So then I had to turn off the helmet setting because it pissed me off so much. Like I just couldn't handle it. I wanted the perks of the upgrade, but I couldn't handle it. Yeah, my character looks very bad right now. I have like, I think it's the um, Raytheon armor, but then I have this like super bright butterfly skirt, and it just looks so freaking awkward. Yeah, it's so. I'm I'm waiting. I'm waiting to craft the butterfly armor set until I have enough great horn flies to craft the entire set. I can't just do one piece. Well, it's actually cultivate. I've been cultivating the honey, and I've been using (laughs) the summoner jelly, and I'm 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 caravanning around. um, Caravanning. That's probably not the word I want to use. Gallivanting. That's probably (laughs) around the Cora Highlands, like trying to find them but like i i just i want to wait but i'm super excited about uh the butterfly armor set 
I do have a full set of the um, the Tada Kadachi. Mm-hmm. Is that what it is? Toma Kadachi. Well, I found out from a friend, and I hear I was like, he's like, Kim, you're not supposed to like have the full sets. Like, it's better to have stuff from all different ones because then you raise your affinities to different things. And I was like, no. I was like, I want to get the whole damn set. Like, it's an outfit, man. Like, I don't want to miss. Like, I'm. We're taught we should match. Like, I don't oh, know. It, it pisses me off. My character has no shame. I am the most ridiculous, ridiculous well, you should looking see, human. You should see the ugly helmet I have that has, like, a jaw thing on my face. To go from pretty butterfly girl to that, like I said, yeah. I had to turn off. And you can turn off the helmet armor. Thank you to everyone on Twitter who let me know when I was complaining about it <laughs> yesterday. Because I just, I couldn't even handle I just kept looking at my girl and yelling. I was in a party with a bunch of friends. I'm like, but she, she's so ugly now. I can't take it. So, so Andrea, uh, has the game grown on you? Because it's surprising that's all you've been playing. Yeah, so last week on the show, and thank you to everybody who reached out and wrote in who felt the same way I did, that has compassion and empathy and was like, these limping monsters don't deserve to die. We're in their home. We're chasing them down. They're retreating to their nest. They're running away. They're saying, okay, I'm done. I don't want to fight you. They run away, and then we chase them down just to slaughter them in their home um, because ex- we are Excuse me. Part of, part of the Monster Hunters Guild, we are controlling the monster population and ensuring that the species continues on. Please. It's in the Wikipedia. Okay. Listen, I come from a family of hunters. I'm from North Dakota. Don't forget, I remind everybody on the show that like, I, my dad goes deer hunting with his valid licenses every single year. It is part of our family tradition. Um, so I get that because thinning populations is an actual thing. Any real hunter who has ethics will tell you this. Um, but this feels more like big game hunting. This more, this feels like going to Africa. And killing a lion and then taking a photo with the lion and being like, we're thinning the population. And I'm like, but I don't think lion populations need to be thinned, actually. I think they're fine. That's what Monster Hunter feels like. It doesn't feel like monsters are thinning a pack of gazelles. But what? I get what you're saying. But monsters aren't real. Like if this was a dog, if this was a dog or anything, like I can't handle (gasps) dogs getting tortured in video games. Like that drives me nuts. But I'm just like, yeah, it's a dino. Like it, Looking at it, you, Wolfenstein. He's attacking. Oh. oh, my God. I hated that. Thank you. Like, that scene was very hard for me. I started that opening. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to play on right now. But uh, going back to Monster Hunter, I mean, some of these monsters are downright vicious. They're having turf wars with other monsters. They're, like, there are so many who have been mean to me that I was minding my own damn business, <laughs> and they went after me, okay? So for me, personally, I don't... I don't know. I look at it. It's like the game is Monster Hunter, right? Like I, I do get like the limping is a little is a little much sometimes. Um, that's how you know how to capture it. I mean, I, I also <laughs> you gonna capturing. know ABCs. They just need to pop a few a leaf and they'll be fine. And just and think about this too. Why do they just keep coming back then? If we're really killing them, why can I do multiple quests to fight the same monster over and over again? Well, maybe they don't realize that you've killed their their buddies. I I, I do want to touch on what you said was a, was a good point is the monsters killing others. Because what a sight to behold the <laughs> first time you see a Rathian pick up an Andorath in its mouth and, like, 
shake oh. it around and you're like i always just yeah i stop during crazy. battle and just watch that like i'll be in the middle and the turf war will go on i'm just like whoa this is pretty cool um maybe it's i shouldn't say that because it's vicious but like just like just seeing it in front of you these two large beasts just going at it it's uh it's one of my favorite parts of the game is the unpredictability of never knowing what's going to happen. And I think it's good that it takes you by surprise. And then sometimes you're just like, all right, I'm just going to let them duke it out for a while. They can, you know, take out their own energy and I'll just reap the benefits later. Um, I turn around and haul ass. I get the hell out of there. I find a bush and I lurk and I watch from a very, very safe distance. I lurk. <laughs> I lurk. because I'm not about to get involved in that. So I play a lot of Monster Hunter with... Jason, my husband, and so he likes to get right up in the grill, like right in the middle of that fight. He'll like, oh, I'm taking, he'll like, she's a like little puny bow, like pew, pew, pew at like the Rathian, and then the little Rathian just turns around and goes after him, and then he dies. And like, that's what you get? Those are two big dinosaurs fighting. You are not about to throw yourself in the middle of that fight. I mean, and I just lurk. Andronaf is always freaking bothering me. I'm just like, I'm done with him at this point. I'm like, you have not <laughs> learned boundaries and that I don't want to fight you, but you think I do. And like, it's a dominance thing. And like, you know what? My little hunter girl has something to prove, uh, I guess. And that, that's just how I look at it. Um, I, I don't know. I have a lot of fun with the game. It's hard for me because I was never, a, like, I could never understand why people like Monster Hunter so much because, um, Especially when it was on handheld, like those controls were really rough and I just could never Brutal, get into it. Yeah. And I, I made a comment to my fiance the other day. I was like, I'm surprised how into Monster Hunter I am because it's all I want to play is like, I'm not Kim. All you do is collect shit in every game that we play. <laughs> and I want to just like, you know, see what you can do and craft with it. I was like, I guess it makes sense. I guess. Uh. No, it is really relaxing to just kind of like do an, an expedition and just mm -hmm. wander around because you get that satisfaction of leveling up like your tracking skills and mm -hmm. gathering all of the ingredients and you feel like you're being productive. So I get it. It's a relaxing game to kind of just get lost in until you come and across. Yeah, and I think it's worth noting that how awesome it is that they allow you to um, pair up with people who are in different regions. Mm -hmm. So I like responding to other people's SOS flares. I think it's a really uh, easy way to pick up rewards because sometimes it'll drop you into their quest when they are almost done killing <laughs> the monster and then you land a couple shots and bam, it's over. But there was this one quest. So the first time I got to the, the Andrath, um, I was like, I'm not even fronting. I'm putting that SOS <laughs> up right away. You're smart I'm not to do try that. To take this guy down by myself. <laughs> I want people to come in. And they kept, um, trying to chat with me using the in-game preset chat options, which by the way, I went in and customized mine. <laughs> Hopefully someday someone will see how awesome my customizations are. Um, and that uh, somebody was typing in German, somebody was speaking in Japanese, and I was like, I don't know what you're saying, but we're killing this monster together. It's going to be great. <laughs> and that's uh, been a really fun, ex exciting experience for me with Monster Hunter is going and responding to other people's SOS flares to just like jump into their missions and help them with whatever quest they're on. So it's a really cool feature. Funny story. Um, it's, about called, it's called an Anjanath. It's not yeah. an Anjanath. Anjanath. Am I adding glasses. an extra syllable somewhere? Well, pardon me from this made-up Monster Hunter language. <laughs> Jeez. 
No, I have a funny story with that. Actually, the first night that I tried out and I was I was so out of my element because it's a game that's intimidating and it's a little scary to go into by yourself. And I remember I just joined an online session and all these people were speaking in Japanese. And I was like, oh, my God, what did I do? What is, did I do something wrong? Like, am I in the wrong region? And I just was like, this is really freaking cool. Like, we're all in these different time zones, you know places playing the same game and and communicating not that i could understand like a smidge but that's awesome it's still fun yeah so i'm 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 thoroughly enjoying my time and glad to hear um that came and brit you both are enjoying your time as well surely more monster hunter talk to come in the future weeks but i do want to hear from kim about Final Fantasy 15 Pocket Edition. Now, I wasn't particularly jazzed about jumping into Final Fantasy 15, though Brit has pretty much convinced me that I need to go back and play it now that almost all of the major story DLC has been released. But when they showed the first screenshots and video of Pocket Edition, I was like, these chibi boys are too cute to resist. <laughs> you know, what's so tell me, how is it? impressed me most about it is it really is, like, Almost like they say it's a retelling of 15 stories, but I mean, they don't miss a beat. Like as somebody who, who played through the first game and just playing through it, like all my memories of the important parts are still there. Like you're not losing anything. What you do lose by playing on mobile, unfortunately for me, is the awe and wonder of the world because they just can't really make a, mo- a world look at, you know, as mesmerizing or there's just not as much to do in it as 15 had, obviously, when they're doing it to phone. But I was actually pretty impressed with how they did transition it to mobile it's 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 very like i said true to the game to the original game it has all the banter of the guys uh that we love and even like the battles are just fun because um so basically you're in control of noctis and he will auto attack and then like the only time you really have to lift a finger is if you're gonna do a parry or if you want to like um engage um, activate, sorry, one of your support members skills, uh, and then you just like flick to do your warp strike forward, which works a lot better than the actual warp strike works in the game. <laughs> uh, so it's like, no. it, 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 I was telling people, if you haven't played Final Fantasy and you're just 15, um, and I think it's an important game for the series because although they didn't hit everything out of the park, like they needed to take those risks and chances and start learning um how to do other things. And I think they learned a lot from that project of having t- what they do well and where they need to improve. And so for me, 15, I love, I think it's one of the best recent casts we've had in a final fantasy in a long time. I also think it tells an emotional story very well by kind of making you connect to them and have no- Noctis's story matter. So if you haven't played it and you're just like, I just, I don't, you know, I want something more casual and I can just pick up and play here and there. Like, that's absolutely who it's for. Um, and even for, like, people who've played it and just want to relive, like, some of the best moments of that game. Go through oh. and, and just chibi yourself to death with Final Fantasy Packet Edition. Is it is it available on iPad as well or is it just iPhone? They said iOS. They said iPad too, Android, and I think they're bringing it to PC. But I think PC is going to hit a little bit later. So, so we'll how see. Because Final Fantasy 15 is such an emotional story, and I've talked about this on the show as much as I can without spoiling everything. And there's 
it's it's a it's it has its super happy cheerful moments, but overall, it's a very sad story. And I'm worried that that impact will be lost when you have just like these super cute, they're adorable. Don't get me wrong, little chibi characters. Do you think it's worth telling people? Like Simon was asking about it. She's like, maybe I'll just play the pocket edition. I'm like, no. I'm like, you have to play the full thing so you get all of those emotional, you know, facial movements and in the, in the the beautiful cut scenes. You know what I'm saying, Kim? What's interesting about the pocket edition actually is that all the cut scenes are there's still cut scenes there. They're fully voiced as well. Um, I will admit, although that art style is cute, it also can look a little awkward sometimes in those scenes. Like, just the faces don't look quite right. But I don't think you miss, like, the emotions of it by playing it this way. And I think it's there for people who want, like, an easier pick-up-to-play experience where it's, like, even the upgrade system, the Ascension Grid, has been um, modified. Everything just works good for mobile. So if you want to play it on mobile, I say play it on mobile, especially if you're not going to play. If at one point you wanted to do console, I'd always push towards console because that's just – I'm a console girl at heart. And Royal that's, edition. like, just for – yeah, just for the beauty of that world. And I think like, yes, you still have massive monsters that are awesome to take down on that pocket edition, but there's something about that like HD console that you'd like, you know, version oh. that I think you can't miss, but. Or go full 8K on PC. Download that 150 gigabyte version of the game. Oh, Why not? <laughs> Experience it in its true glory. Well, I'm definitely going to be checking out Pocket Edition. Um, I'm, I'm just going to be honest, Britt. Don't be mad. I don't think I have time to go back and play the full console version. Maybe some, I'm still playing Final Fantasy IX. I've got a ways to go to make my way up to 15. <laughs> um, but I, I do want to hear about your experience with um, some of these other amazing JRPGs. I mean, you've been dabbling in Xenoblade, in Lost Fear, in The Men of Yoshiwara, with a parentheses <laughs> OMG. Plus, of course, Shadow of the Colossus is out this week as well. So which one do you want to talk about first? Oh, man. I'm just living my best life right now. I love JRPGs, <laughs> and I'm so happy that I'm, I'm balls deep into them again. Um <laughs> Okay, so okay. <laughs> okay, so, excuse me. I'm ovaries deep into them. Um Hey, you can be balls deep. There's no judgment here. Absolutely not. So, I um going to Kauai tomorrow. So, I'm looking for something oh to play which will be Thursday. Am um, I looking for something to play on the airplane and I don't know if I can play Xenoblade Chronicles 2 on the Switch pad because it it just the frame rate goes down and it's uh, so I was like, all right, I'm going to find something a little, like, easier, a little chill to pass the time on this long flight. So I downloaded, um, oh, God, what's the effing name? The, uh, I just mentioned at the beginning of this, the cat, the one with the cat, it just came out on the Switch. It's, whatever. It's a cat, <laughs> it's trying, to re- cat. trying to live its life. It's been talked about. Anyway, it's on the Switch. And then I also saw this game called The Men of Yoshiwara, Kiku- Kikuya. And it's a dating sim. Now, I, I have never played, like, a real dating sim before. Oh, A Night in the Woods. That was the game I was talking about. Um, and Night in the Woods is the great, only- by the way. Please play that. That's the one I was trying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cat. All I know is there's a cat in it. Yeah, that is. Um, yeah, Night in the Woods. Yeah, you need to play that. Oh, it's so good. Okay, sorry. So, Go on. <laughs> no, 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 I appreciate it. Um, the only dating sim I've played has been Doki Doki Literature Club. Now, we all know if you've played that game, it counts, but it almost doesn't count. So I, I see this game and I download it and it had really good reviews on Steam. So I'm thinking, like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And the story, here's the story straight <laughs> off the Steam page. 
A closed island where baby boys are not born. It's a unique culture that is completely different from the mainland. It has been flourishing on the island. In the middle of the island, there's a district where men are gathered. Some women just want children. Others are looking for love. Knowingly deceived by a lie and deceived in return. All in all, a single night's dream. At the end, to whom is it that you'll be taking on talking of love? No, I... <laughs> well, I'm sure you read that description and were like, I have to buy this now, right? I'm pretty sure that's what that's what your feelings were. I'm trying even, like it sounds like you're reading a single line from like multiple different shows that are just being mashed into a single paragraph. <laughs> well, yeah. So on that note, the, the the translation is it's okay, but there's a lot of punctuation errors, a lot of grammatical errors sometimes. And I didn't read this until after I played it on the Steam page. This game is for you if you want to fall in love with hot men, you like romance. <laughs> You like ro- you like romance novels, manga, or dramas. You like historical stories. You like romance games. Okay, so oh my god, th- this. So I didn't know what to expect going into this. So this game takes place in Yoshi something or another. I, I just skimmed a lot of this Yoshiwara. Yoshiwara. There's, there's a male brothel there, and all these women like there's no men born on the island, and you are a single young teenager who has to make a delivery to this brothel, and in doing so, all of these men flock to you. And you're basically a horny teenager. Let's just put it out there. Um, and and I've never played a dating sim before, and I I don't know what to think. It's serious I mean, business. <laughs> Understand this, like, and don't you can't romance everyone. They get mad. You do not get the best ending if you romance everyone. So just be aware. You need to pick, girl. But that's the thing is you you so how it worked is at the beginning it's like okay what kind of man is your fancy the brothel manager is asking you and then you can choose from like seven different guys and then you choose one guy and then the story just follows that guy only and you make decisions and the better decisions you make your likability percentage goes up but there's never an opportunity to be with other guys so I don't know if this is the norm for dating sims or if I'm just on another weird dating sim path of life. And I'm you clueless. might be. Usually, the point of the dating sim is you have multiple <laughs> options before you. Right? Yeah. So I no. feel like you're kind of uh, getting was... cheated, honestly. Because who just I... is like, there's one person now just fall like my. No. Yeah. Yeah. And none of the guys were that attractive. They all looked kind of strange to me. And so <laughs> I'm just like, you know, I I did it. I'm broadening my horizons, like I said. So but they said they promised find... hot men. The, the they advertise what? they promised hot men they like did. the advertisement they is a lie yeah they just look they look a little alien alieny they're just you know like i mean i like the cute like jrpg like I style mean, like let's be honest isn't that all anime <laughs> um girl i will fight you trunks dbz the purple haired wonder he looks like a- i'm just saying the proportions are off in a lot of those characters they they look like they're not like have human skeletons. Yeah, they're all like <laughs> Slender Man skeletons. They're all really tall and lanky. Uh, uh, yeah. Something that is worth noting is that this game actually came out for PC in 2015 and is now just on Switch. Yeah. But more importantly, I'm sure people out there are saying, are screaming in their cars as they're listening, Brit. Why aren't you downloading Celeste for Switch if you needed a game to play on your flight? Because Celeste is Jason's treadmill game, and I've watched him play a lot. Like, he's probably like three or four hours into it. So I watch him play almost every day, and I would get too frustrated at that game. I think it would be fun for a little bit, but he will, like... You can turn the assist mode on. I could, but he'll, like, the level will end, and it'll be like, you die 238 times. And I'm like, nope. That's how I felt with Ori in the Blind Forest. I was like, I don't care. (laughs) So... 
there you go. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Just have the Andrea Renee outlook of I don't care. Um, but no, it, it, Celeste looks cute, but I, it's not the kind of game I want to relax on on an airplane. Um, so yeah, so ladies. Instead, you're like, let's go with the romance game for women. I mean, that's the best I, type of game to play on a plane. I do that all the time. I'm like, bring a visual novel style dating sim with me on planes. Cause like, it is just <laughs> the best way to get through. And I've had lots of long flights to like Japan and stuff. And I'm like, this is amping me up for what I'm about to get into. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm always worried I'm going to have like someone peering over and like looking at like my, my romance visual novel when it's talking about Can some you get guy a privacy his... screen for your switch Do right those things exist i need one because like I, I was playing doki doki literature club as well on the airplane and i was like oh god this is getting awkward hopefully this little child next to me isn't <laughs> looking at my screen and he was um so ladies and gentlemen <laughs> of what's good games, if you have any like romance sims dating sims that you would recommend kim you might have some that like a true dating sim and i'm, I'm not talking about how to full pigeon okay a I want that's not about a pigeon, list. okay? I got I got the real <laughs> men for you, okay? <laughs> Thanks, girl. I've done a um, lot of research. No, I want to know. I'm I'm learning. Um, the other game I played was Shadow of the Colossus, and it's funny because when we talked about this game with Steimer, she mentioned that she always feels bad when she stabs those. Is it Colossi? Is that the Colossi, proper one? Yeah, yeah. Lots of people say that. Yeah. And I was like, that. Nah. Well, I cringe every time I stab one of those tall, buildy, rocky mother effers. And I feel bad. I feel worse stabbing them than I do the monsters in Monster Hunter. Because the monsters are really And the, those guys yeah. are like, you're actually, like, majestic. and <laughs> They're just big doofuses wandering around. And then, you know, yeah. they're going to attack you and their eyes turn red and it's kind of scary. Um, what's fascinating for me, because I had never played this game before, is you would never know this game originally launched 13 years ago with yeah. this fresh like coat of paint. It's mm. unreal. Like it's it just you would never know. And I wish I would have played it back in the day because now I understand why people's minds are probably blown. It's it's pretty cool. I'm digging it. I'm into it. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't gotten a chance to play it yet um, because uh, last night. I decided to play Paragon, and this wasn't, I, I didn't intentionally choose to play Paragon Girl. over playing Shadow of the Colossus. My, one of my good friends, uh, the man who officiated John and I's wedding, um, he had his 40th birthday. He's going on a fancy trip to Iceland to celebrate next month, but on his actual birthday, um, you know, he was like, all I want to do is play video games online with my friends. Like, that's what I want to do on my birthday. So he set Acceptable. up a event on PlayStation because on, on PlayStation Network, you can set up an event with your friends and uh, they can with a specific game and you can like all RSVP online and everything. It was really cool. And so we were supposed to play Battlefront 2. And, um, of course, some of his friends being the douchebags they were, they bailed. And I was like, dude, it's his fucking birthday. What are you, what are you doing bailing? Don't bail. But it worked out to my benefits because, because his friends bailed instead of playing Battlefront 2, which let's be honest, I have not played multiplayer in Battlefront 2 for like, <laughs> what, uh, months? He was like, how about we just play some Paragon instead? And I was like, yes, this is the best. Let's do it. And don't feel so, bad because that game ain't going to exist much longer, girlfriend. You got to get all the time in that you can. 
It's very obvious, though, that the wait times have already started to increase with matchmaking. But we went five for five. We won all five of our oh, matches. Nice. And I oh, was like, yeah, that's never happened where I've won five in a row. I was feeling really good. And I brought out one of my legacy characters, Gadget. She's one of my faves. So I mastered her. Um, but in the new in the new updates, she hasn't been, you know, as useful. But I crushed with her. So I don't know if it's just because I finally have gotten a handle on the card system and the gem system, mm. but I had a I had a ton of fun uh, playing with him. He was playing jungle, I was playing mid lane caster, um, and we were just playing with a bunch of randoms, and we just had a really great time. So I have hashtag no regrets <laughs> about That's not awesome. getting to to shadow of the Colossus yet. But um, I'm really looking forward to to jumping in and playing it. And John also has been playing Celeste. Speaking of spouses playing the games that we were supposed to play. Um, so I've been watching him play, but I, I hate that I'm going to say this and please don't be mad at me guys for listening or we're watching the, the art style turns me off. And I know that this, the story is supposed to be amazing and that the p- platform is supposed to be really well done. I'm just so done with this like 8-bit, 16-bit retro pixel art style. I'm just so done with it. So many people have done it. It just continues to show up. And it just I don't know if it makes sense. And I've heard that like a lot of the way that the game design is worked, it really interweaves with the overall storytelling in a very uh, comprehensive way and that I should just like get over this ridiculous problem I have and just play it. And I'm going to. Don't worry. I'm going to play before the end of the year. I just like instantly like see the art style and I'm like, mm, I just I just don't like it. See, I see the Why? frustration and I'm like, nope. Don't need that in my life right now. <laughs> well, they, I, I, I need to praise the team, though, for their amazing assist mode. This idea that we've talked about, like, stop making your game. Like, this is what I what I griped about with Cuphead. Mm-hmm. was like, it was so frustratingly difficult on some of the levels. I was like, why don't you just make it easier or make an easier mode? And they're like, well, normal is easy mode. I go, normal's not fucking easy in Cuphead. Get out of here. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and so, like, that's what I love about Celeste, mm-hmm. from what I've seen so far, is that their assist mode options have made it incredibly accessible for people who don't have the twitch reflexes, for people who don't have the time to do the levels over and over again, for people who don't have the ability, maybe they're using a modified control scheme, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what I think should be applauded because yes. I wish more developers would take notes from their playbook and say, hey, you know what? We're going to handcraft a game experience. And this is the game experience that we would like you to have. But we get that there are millions of kinds, billions of kinds of people in the world. And not everybody is going to be able to have that experience. But we still want you to see this incredible game that we built. And because of that, we're going to give you stamina. We're going to give you ways to jump and ways to have infinite lives and ways to complete the game that isn't going to feel frustrating for you. And we want you to know that's okay. And we're not going to make you feel bad about it. And I want to say, good job. Baby ass, you guys baby fucking mode. killed it. Yeah. That's what we call They're that. They're not talking down to you for, for using those modes. And that's to be applauded. And I want to give them a big hats off for that. Oh, for that's sure. great. Mm-hmm. Sorry, mm-hmm. I got on a soapbox there for a second. <laughs> no, that's it, it was beautiful. I loved it. It was a good soapbox uh, to get on. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you know, don't feel bad for not liking those old graphics. I mean, we grew up with them. Maybe you're just over them. Do you think that's what it is? Do you think you're just like over it? 
you just grew up with it. You're like, eh. I think the thing is, is that so many indie developers in particular choose this art style. And one time I asked, I think it was like, it was either at GDC or maybe it was a day of the devs or something. I asked, um, a dev, like, you know, why they chose this particular art style. I was like, you know, we're seeing a lot of this. I didn't tell him I fucking hate your art style. Avi, I'm not stupid. Uh, But I was like, I I framed it differently. I was like, so why did you choose this art style? And he was like, honestly, he was like, well, we like the art style, but realistically, it's something that's affordable for us as an indie team to be able for us to animate because some of the other more intricate styles of animation require much more time and a different level of skill. And, you know, we had this idea for gameplay and we thought that this was the best way we were going to be able to execute it with the resources we had. And I was like, that's a realistic answer. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's something that is absolutely understandable. It doesn't make me like the art style anymore, but at least I I get why they chose it. Mm -hmm. But I just don't like it when it feels like they chose the art style because that's all that they knew or all that they wanted. And it doesn't make sense thematically with the game or narratively with what they're going for. Um, and I think I just, I think I'm just not as attracted to it because there's so many other kinds of art that's interesting. And I fully am disclosing that I get that I'm an anomaly. I get that lots of people out there really love this art style that crave it that seek out games with this art style i get it i don't know what it is i just like every time i see it i'm like oh great another retro fucking video game and i just i i almost like when we're at like packs or something i almost won't even go up and give the game a chance if i see this art style and i i, I recognize that i have a problem Hey, it's I don't know fine. What to do about it? It's fine. I have I, I I personally love the retro art style. It reminds me of like warm and cozy and nostalgic days. But there is an art style that I too am immediately turned off from, and I have to like remind myself that it's not about the art. It's the um, I don't know if cartoony is the right word. Um, I think the Behemoth puts out really fun games, but their art style, like if you look at something called Pit People, it's a game, a uh, really fun game. But th- it's that kind of art style that turns me off as well and i don't i it doesn't make any sense i'm fully aware that i also have a problem you know it's it's it is i I feel you girl we all have our things at the end of the day you like what you like right like there's yeah don't don't feel ashamed about that like we're all you know it's why there's so many different games and so many different you know selections for us which is awesome yeah that's true well thanks thanks for making me not feel too terrible about it but um uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, wrap up this segment of the show, um, even though we could keep talking about some other stuff that we've been playing because we want to get to know Kim. Yeah. So in the next segment, we're going to learn about what she does at Game Informer, talk about some of her favorite RPGs, and a whole lot more. So stick with us, everybody. We're going to take a short break, and then we'll be right back. everybody thanks for sticking with us um so obviously you've been listening to our special guest mrs kimberly wallace all show we haven't 
gotten a chance yet in the show to talk about what you do. So you're technically the features editor over at Game Informer. Game Informer known for their amazing cover stories, these deep dives into brand new games that are coming out or into new features of games. So clearly you have a hand in that as the features editor. What does a features editor technically do? A little bit of everything and then some. Uh, the way that I look at my job is I'm there to help people, uh, you know, formulate their ideas and make them the best possible, um, you know, that, that they can be, honestly. At the end of the day, nothing feels better for me when, like, there, there's a problem in a feature and I sit down with the editor and we figure it out together and it's like a big victory lap. Um, I have a big background just in writing in general. I mean, I went to school for journalism and English and I've got also um, – uh, creative writing, um, emphasis, if you want to call it that. (laughs) Um, but so it's like, I've studied all these styles and I kind of know features has always just been something that I just naturally gravitated to because I think I like to tell stories personally. And so when this opportunity came around, um, for this position, like I knew that it would be, it'd be challenging, but it would be something that I'd be really good at. And honestly, my days are spent in a lot of editing, a lot of behind the scenes stuff you do not see. Um, it's, it's not something that like is by any means easy. I mean, I always have to critique people. I have to, um, have conversations. We have to decide what's the best way to frame a feature, which is, which is difficult because sometimes some people have a really good idea and you're just like, that's such a good idea, but we have to figure out how we're going to make this digestible online or in the magazine and vice versa. So, I mean, there's just like a lot of discussions, um, that happen in general. And like I said, it is by far like moving into features has been the best thing for me. I love it. <laughs> it is like my happy place. I like helping people get their ideas off the ground. I like writing them. Um, I like coming up with ideas, but you also are like the answer person at every point in turn, which when I first got the position, I like was going like, Oh my God, everybody, I have to have the answer. I, what if I can't find the answer? But I, I always, <laughs> I always do, but it's just like sometimes in the moment, you'd be like, I know this isn't working, but like, oh man, I had to figure out a way to fix it. And that's part of the fun, right? Is the challenge of that. So I do a lot of that at Game Informer. I also, um, as we've talked about, gravitate towards doing a lot of our RPG coverage because that's honestly what I grew up playing and am most skilled at. And, you know, I have my own RPG column, um, that I do every other week. Um, so that's fun too. Um, I guess I'm talking So a did lot. the RPG column come about from something that you pitched or did someone on staff say, hey, we have a need for this? Uh, columns are interesting because I was doing like my own kind of, and I was doing it um, as more of a live show of just streaming me playing like old RPGs and talking about them because I was like, oh, that, that sounds really fun. And then we just... We were discussing that we wanted to try columns on the site just as something different and fresh for our readers so they would have an air, something to keep coming back to. So it was more of like an experiment. And so I was like, it's like, of course, Kim's going to do an RPG column. Like there was not even – I don't even think there was a discussion. It was just like this is what it's going to be. Um, and so like I said, we have a sports column. We have a humor column. Uh, we also have um, – 
the virtual life, which dwells into like the real issues that games and the feelings that they produce from us, which is really interesting. And we have a sci-fi column. So those are, those are the ones we're running. Oh, and a board game one. Gosh, we've got everything. Hey, all of the columns. No, I really, I really uh, love Game Informer, the- and I'm not just saying that as somebody who used to get paid by GameStop, who also owns Game Informer. So full dis- full disclosure, but I have a bunch of your um, copies like here on set um, that I just love keeping around because like I just can't get rid of them because what I what I love about about the work that you guys do over there is that you are able to get access to these development studios that so few other um, media teams out there get access to because you guys have such a legacy and the work that goes into these features in in the spreads and the cover stories and stuff like is so in depth that like, it's just like, it's page turning for me almost. And like, I know that like you guys really are big on the digital edition now, but I, I look forward to getting my my physical copy in the mail. It's, I have a weird. I have a collection of Game Informer magazines actually in one of my rooms, spanning like I don't know how long, like years and years and years and years. Like I, for a while, I collected Game Informer magazines, and I can't get rid of them. Like Andrea said, there's something like cathartic about opening an issue and just kind of flipping through the pages. It's good oh yeah, stuff. I agree with you. I paper? like the. Oh. I rather have a physical issue than a digital of it. But you know, people have the option either way. Um, Interesting enough, I think cover stories are probably the most taxing but most satisfying thing that we do. It's really cool to get access to a studio and just see a game that you're excited about getting made before you and seeing them put it together in the stages and then just talking to like the team about like what they're, it's it's always so insightful and enlightening and I, I love when I get to do them because, but they're also like, we have to turn them around really fast, which is also like, I basically get back and I have to like write and get it done so it can go, so it can ship. So it's been, they're a lot of work, but they're a lot of fun. And I feel like it also gives you a chance to kind of like, um, realize the people who are make behind these games who are making them and learn about them and learn what their goals are and how they feel. It's, it's just a fun. It's a fun, it's my favorite part of the job, probably in addition to those features we do, which I guess they kind of cross in together, so it makes sense. Um, I always do you have a particular way. game or project that you worked on in the past that was kind of a fangirl moment for you or something? Oh God, like, my I first! Can't believe I actually did this. I actually, you'll love this. Um, I really embarrassed uh, our other editor, Joe Juba, on my first cover story trip because my first cover story trip was Dragon Age Inquisition. And I got to just meet with all the uh, writers and talk about romances. And all I kept going on was like, is Varric going to be a romance option? He should be a romance (laughs) option. Yeah. I I, Let's not. He's awesome. I love my Varric. No, I love him. He's married to his crossbow, though, and that's bullshit. Well, yeah, you're never going to. Yeah. (laughs) Drink. (laughs) But I was just like. Because I just kept oh, coming cool. from this place of like, this is what I want to know. And like, it was, it was cool. It's just like, I'm suddenly in BioWare studios. I'm talking to the people and make my favorite characters. Like, and then I just embarrassed everybody with the romance talk, but you know, it had to be done. Hey. Everybody counts on me to get those. I got the like scoop for like Mass Effect Andromeda too. Cause I'm like, Oh, we are talking about romance. It has to happen. <laughs> yeah, you are. It is important. 
It is. It's a staple of those franchises as well, right? Like, I'm always about it for the romance. Because it's like, okay, who am I going to bang? I wish Steimer were here for this conference. I mentioned Steimer a lot during this podcast. I miss Steimer. Because uh, we, we always talk about the banging and who we're going to bang. And she has a super crazy obsession with Colin and Kate. And anyway, <gasps> I do very, too. Very Colin important. is the best husband. Let's, let's oh, best husbando. Alistair from Dragon Age Origins. But I won't. I won't. Kim, we have a lot of people wanting to know. What is your favorite RPG? Okay, so I don't – this is a personal one um, for me. Um, it's Secret of Mana, and it is because Red, it is Red's how – dying inside. Um, so long story short, uh, my grandpa and I – I grew up with my grandpa playing RPGs. Like he was a cool grandpa who like when he got old, he's like, I want to keep my mind going, and I just want to play these games. And so we um, – we both realized we were talking one day that we were playing Secret of Mana, um, and this was really cool. And then he um, had a heart attack and so sadly died. And I went back to his place in Florida, and I saw Secret of Mana in his Super Nintendo, and I picked it up and I finished his save file and game. Oh. <laughs> Your story really resonates with me. Right now. That's, My, so, that's so amazing. <laughs> Cause he my even, grandma, go ahead, sorry, Kim. No, no, you go, you can, he even like at the time is just like, he wasn't able to finish it. So I wanted to finish it for him. And I will always have that connection and game with him. And I kind of like, I want to, this is give my, yeah, I will give my grandpa kudos. Like he is why I got into the genre and why I am so passionate about it. And, you know, that was one of the ones for us that we really bonded over. Oh, that is so sweet. What? I, anyway, you're, I'm not going to cry. Your story really resonates with me because my grandma is who got me into JRPGs and got me into RPGs. And she still plays games. And matter of fact, right now, she's playing Secret of Mana on the uh, SNES Classic. Oh, like, nice. That's the game she's currently playing. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, my God. That is in- incredibly sweet. That is a very sweet story. That's – oh. Yeah, so that's the reason why that always ranks as my number one. Uh, God, I could – I'm a big fan of Persona 3 probably more than most people um, because I feel like that game just blew me away when I played it at the time. Obviously, we know I love my Kingdom Hearts. Um, I miss the Suicoden series dearly. Um, oh, I yeah, could just go, I forgot about that series. Uh, I could go on and on. Jeez. What about Final Fantasy? Let's talk about that. Which ones are my favorites? Yeah. Six obviously um definitely i go back and forth with four i really like 10 i feel more than most people um i just really thought that game was that world building in that game and going into that was really cool at the time um i think those are top three probably um i have probably nine then i'm i'm very weird on my rankings but nine hit that's brit's favorite so i've been playing i've been playing through it on ps4 uh my first final fantasy alexa and i have convinced her to play final fantasy nine as her first final fantasy kim it's a glorious time ask her what she named her characters kim would you name your characters (laughs) so i named zidane jt for For? timberlake I named VVMJ. No, you can't change VV's name. It's a crime. Don't. I named Steiner the Hoff for David Hasselhoff. And I named Garnet 
Kesha. <laughs> Kim was trying, if you're not watching us on youtube.com slash what's good games, Kim was trying to drink her wine to forget about this travesty that Andrea's talking about. I didn't just- know, Kim. I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to rename them. I told Britt on the show afterwards that this was a mistake. I should have kept them with their original names. The, the Kesha one just really got me. <laughs> it does make for really interesting dialogue scenes though (laughs) oh man it's a try it is sad uh kim i i love my rpg fans breath of fire are you a fan of that series oh oh, oh. okay so how do you feel about breath of fire 5 it's not my favorite don't get mad that's a, no, 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 no. That's a very good answer. I hated it. Okay, so okay. There's a lot more. PT I was trying to be kind to you in case you liked it a lot, and just like <laughs> no. temper how I felt about it. Um, yeah, it's a uh, God. You you could probably ask me about anything. We'd probably be on similar. Like God, Earthbound was one of my favorites growing oh. up. Yeah, check this out. Check this Are out. Are you okay, bro? I was so no. cool when I was in middle school playing Earthbound that I made my own AOL fan club and my screen name was Polygal EB. So I've always loved you, Kim, but I love you so much more now. I didn't think it was possible. No, no, I've been trying to get the girls to play Earthbound. It's my favorite Super Nintendo title. It's one of my favorite games of all time. It's just such a fantastic We're game. We're having a love connection here, man. I know who Andrea who? But where's where's Andrea? <laughs> you don't need me guys. I'll just slowly back away. Oh man. So here here's it, because everyone knows you as the RPG master. If someone like Andrea wanted to get into her first JRPG, like what what would be a good starting point for her, you think? Besides Final Fantasy Nine, which let's let's be honest, probably not the best starting point, but I think it depends where you want to go and how you want to look at it. If you want to go something more classic or more modern classic, I always say like you can never go wrong with Chrono Trigger. It is like probably the one the that has aged the best um, through time. But <sighs> I always want to recommend Persona games to people. And then I get scared that they're going to look at the time investment and just because <laughs> it is. But gosh, I think here's my problem with JRPGs is it comes back to this weird art style thing that I have going on. A lot of like anime art style just doesn't speak to me. And so it's hard for me to get into these characters and want to spend like 50 to 100 hours in these games. It's adorable. And so like Persona in particular, I'm like, I have like. I just don't have any. Don't be mad. I just don't have any desire to play Persona. I just don't. that's just that's just so, so cool. Come on, uh, I reset. Oh, she's hold. She's holding up one of her statues. Go ahead. You can put her fully in frame. Uh, Display her. I don't know. My girls keep falling down. Yukiko. Is that what she said? I'm not sure. Um, so, Andrew, so like Final Fantasy 15 art style doesn't turn you off, does it? Or does it? It kind of does. The guys feel almost a little too androgynous for me. Mm. Not that that's a bad thing. Again, just not for me. Okay. I can't think of any that. We'll take so, it. Okay. We'll take it. Okay. I'm done grilling you about wanna, RPGs. I do want to go back and play Chrono Trigger. You should because I know it's like one. Of, I know it's like one of the greats, and I have my SNES Classic Edition, so I could play it there. Um, I just, 
I don't, I don't know. I just, and this is, I mean, but this is why, you know, I play what I play and you play what you play. Cause when we come together, you know, we all have like a little experience in different things. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's been beauty. the same for me. I think, uh, I've played RPGs for so long and, um, just because I always had one to play. Um, and we hit that PS2 era where they were just coming in waves and you couldn't even keep up. It was insane. And, yes. um, when we got to the PS3 era, sadly, it was not the same. Um, you didn't get them as much. And that forced me to like try out different genres and really, go pull away from because for me it was always jrpgs and survival horror as i was growing up and that was just like it um then when we got into that i started mixing and matching more and my biggest surprise i think in this generation is that i freaking am addicted to overwatch in such an unhealthy way and i didn't see that coming because i hate playing games with people i'm an rpg player i'm a solo <laughs> like do my own adventure you know um yep and i love that game to pieces so it really is interesting to watch how you kind of change your game tastes through the years and you know now i play a little bit of everything but yeah i was definitely a big rpg like that was all that i would play uh back in the day well they had them you know more frequently hard now i feel like it's really hard to make a good um rpg i am a big fan of the witcher 3 that's probably one of my favorites um i mean they mm -hmm. kind of set the bar right they set that bar so high that like when they come up with cyberpunk i'm like i don't know like, you know, can they, like, how, how do you top Witcher 3? Like, they, and what I like about that too is they could have just done the next Witcher game and they'd been fine. People would have been fine with that. They would have been happy, but they're trying something different. I think we don't get a lot of developers who do have the luxury to experiment and try different things. And like, you know, that's why I'm happy that Bioware, whether it's you know, going to be a success or not is at least trying something with Anthem. I just feel like they need a break from Mass Effect and, you know, Dragon Age because it's like you can only, I know it hurts me too, but it's like, you know, I don't want to burn, I don't want to burn them out, you know, like yeah. <laughs> maybe I just feel too much. I don't know. Uh, but thinking about it from their perspectives, like it's got to be creatively refreshing to work on a different different project and kind of like reamp and see what works and what doesn't. Um, but I feel like no game I feel like in this past generation has done what the Witcher three has done in any capacity on like, just with choice going through that world, the scope, um, just telling a really compelling story within it. Like I liked you, there's stuff that those characters did that dro drove you nuts, but then you also just had a, like, infinity for, like, for people you wouldn't think. Um, it, it, it's, it was actually funny enough that I actually reviewed that for us, right? And we got the game, and I had a week to play it, and I, all I did, and this was my job, was just to stay home and play Witcher 3, which like some day, like it's not always like that, but I'm going to say some days I have a really, most of the time, a really, really awesome job. It's also really, really tough work. But I remember Andy teasing me. He's like, how are you still not done with that game yet? And I was like, Andy, have you seen how big this freaking game is? Like there's, and I yeah, did a bunch of the side content too. Like I didn't skimp on any of the side quests. I didn't do all of them at the time for the review, but I did a good chunk of them and I got yeah, through that, I've never, I loved it so much that 
you know, sometimes when I get a review assignment, it starts to wear or you're like, this feels like work. That never felt like work to play. I just wanted to play it. And it's like one of my favorite moments, I think, in reviewing where I was just like, okay, this this is what it's about when you get those games that you just cannot put down, you know? Living That's the so dream. awesome to hear. Yeah, my sister has played through The Witcher five times on like each of the difficulty levels because she she loves it so much. But I'm hoping against hope that we're going to see um, Cyberpunk take it the trend that we saw from Guerrilla Games. Talk mm. about a studio that hadn't made that kind of a genre game before. I mean, coming from, you know, like Resistance, like a first-person mm-hmm. shooter going into a third-person open world, you know, action adventure game, maybe, maybe, you know, uh, CD Projekt Red will, will follow suit. Did you read my mind? Because as I was talking about games that I really loved (laughs) and like that I didn't want to put down, my next thought was to talk about Horizon and I just like stopped myself because I was like, Kim, it's too much. It's too much. And then you bring up Guerrilla Games. It's like, you knew, you knew I was thinking about it. You come to the right place, my friend. Andrew Renee has been like, I will preaching the word of horizon zero dawn since we launched this podcast um, i have yet yeah, to hey, finish uh, it you haven't pl- hey, you haven't finished have you have you played horizon yet Brittany? i've played it a little bit but i think i have to start over a lot of people said you don't have to start over i'm like 10 hours in kim and what happened is i set it down because something nope, else nope. came out go back please please i'll tell please, you something that you, i noticed because i've been trying to been, tell her i've been going through it again and I, it's something that i've no, i've appreciated the more that i've played it um I don't think, and maybe this is just like our generation and growing up, like I was not exposed to many like women protagonists like Aloy, who just is like, I'm confident and I know my shit and you can't tell me what to do otherwise. I'm going to do what I would like. No second guessing. No, like she is just very comfortable with who she is and what she wants to do. And I just love that about her character because it's never, you know, from a bad spot. It's always just like, no, she's confident in her abilities. And I I like seeing confident women um, on screen. I think that's, you know, something we did. I didn't get enough when I was growing up seeing. So um, I hope I hope more to take you not to go on a soapbox rant about it. But it's not even just that. It's just like the whole game is just the world like taking down the the mach- the machines and everything though just so ugh. I just loved it. It scratched every itch for me. It was my game of the year last year. It was. I put that over so Persona good. 5 which like I people are like did oh no she didn't. Oh yes I did. Wow Brit, girl. See? See Brit, why why aren't you doing it? It's the trees, man. It's all the trees. No, there's there's a joke in that. Anyway, we don't, have to, we don't have to rehash that. I need to get back into it. What I did play that I really did enjoy. I was super into it. I love the characters. Um, it's a problem I have in sandboxy games where it's like, you let me go. And if I don't have, like, if it's not super linear mm-hmm. in the get-go, like, I branch off. I do side quests. And then I lose interest in the main story. And it's something I've done my whole life. And it sucks. Oh, it's but, very um, easy to do that with Horizon. I did that. I was like, oh, I think I'm just going to go and get every little thing that I can possibly do. And that's what took me so long, but I wanted to. I mean, go with what what you want, you know. No, this, this would actually be a really good time to jump into it because there's not a heck of a lot coming out anytime soon, other than Far Cry Five that I'm really excited about. So I should probably jump on it. Jump on it. Get on it. You, you can should. stop playing other bad games and go for that. <laughs> I know Thank what game you. you're talking about, Kim. You Thank and I talked you, about this. You're not a fan Kim. of Lost Fear. Nope. Um, I had to review that. I'm playing that. 
Um, it's just, you know, I thought they would have learned from, because I am Setsuna, set them down with a good foundation, and I thought they would have filled in the missing pieces from that that had and, like, do something different. And the game just has no soul. <laughs> I just, like... No, that's, a, that's complete. It's missing that spark, that charm that RPGs of old had. Mm-hmm. I know what they're going for, and I really appreciate that. But, um... And the story is not half bad, in my opinion. They just needed to do... They needed to take it, like, a step forward. And, and be, anyway, yeah, I talked about this on yeah. last week's show. It's not... It's not terrible. No, it's, it's just, definitely it's, not I'm the worst. To a point it, where I'm feeling a little bored with yeah. it, and I think it's yeah. You get it, girl. I get it, especially on like a review deadline schedule. Believe me, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Kim, um, if people want to, um you know, follow what you're doing on Game Informer or or hear more about the work that you're doing, where's like a good place for people to go for that? Uh probably Twitter. Um uh at KStar seventeen eighty five on there. I have an RPG column obviously that's gameinformer.com and you just do RPG grind time as a after yeah. It's it's on the yeah, it's on the site. So um, and you can get an archive of just like every one I've done before. Um, like I said, just keep visiting Game Informer. Keep keep up with the magazine. We have our 300th issue coming up, which we're super excited for, Yay! and we're working on so right exciting. now. And we're throwing a big party, and like everyone's invited. So that's up on Twitter right now. So we're gonna we're gonna celebrate. I know. Big. I, I I was telling her I got the invite, but it's in Minneapolis, and I'm just like, oh, I don't think I can make it. Mm. But I wow. want to. But I, I am gonna see um I'm gonna see Andy and Reiner, so Andy McNamara and Andrew Reiner um at Dice because I'm doing a round table at Dice this year. Nice. Um which is exciting. So um and we had the I don't think we were ever at a GameStop manager show at the same time. But you go to that every year and do autographs now, right? Yeah, actually, I've done that. We were one year because I was on the years when you were hosting on stage. Oh, the year that I co-hosted with Jeff? Yeah, because that was when we did our Dark Souls cover reveal. And then we went up for a little bit. Um, I only remember this vaguely because at the time uh, we had to sit there while <laughs> and wait and wait. And I was like, oh, Andrea does a really good job at this stuff. So it uh, just sticks oh, on yeah, my mind. Yeah, I just kind of stuck out of my mind. Uh, but Thanks. yeah, I've been doing that um, every every few years, which is it, it's nice. It's nice to go out and have people tell you that they appreciate your work. Obviously, I, I always tell people that it's like never just assume that. It's never a bad thing to tell somebody if you like what they do. I mean, I feel like there's so much like negativity Amen. sometimes in this world that like I don't think people understand sometimes how nice that is to hear, you know, every so often. Mm-hmm. That's why I do yeah, it. Yeah, a simple a simple go- good job goes goes a long way. Absolutely. For sure. Well, this has been an absolute delight having you on the show. Um, do you have any parting thoughts or words or any projects you have coming up or personal things you would like to promote on the show? She puts you on the spot. I know, right? I, I could have thought kid. about this. I'm always just kind of in this. I'm always doing something. So it's like I'm always spinning five plates, I feel like. Uh, 
So it's just, I would just keep an eye out. Um, you know, if you are a fan of RPGs, like I said, that's, I, I talk to death about them. Um, also, you should check out my Yoko Taro interview on Game Informer because it's one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. It's hilarious. Um, nice. It's always those good moments that you just like, you look back and you're like, oh, I really like this piece or like this came together well. Um, but yeah, I would just, uh, I'm just hoping that I just keep my, my one goal for myself is always, it's never about me. It's about putting out the best possible content that I can. And for me, it is, I never rush through a story. I'm very much about listening to people and getting the full information. And, you know, I'm not just here to kind of slide through this because I got into the lottery of being a game journalist. Like it really matters to me. And so I hope to write stories and that they show and match through that. And I think there's a lot of positivity in gaming that gets unnoticed and um, that that's unfortunate too. So I try to bring balance that stuff out, but we'll see. I mean, who knows? Stay tuned. Amen. Girl, you're great at what you do. Thank you. Heck yeah. Are you going to come to PAX East? No. Oh, sad face. I know. I'm not well, I'm not even going to be well, at GDC this year. Break my heart, but E3 though, we'll see you for sure. Uh maybe. <gasps> we always need people what? to stay back. I registered. I I'm I'm okay. I'll put it. it. I'll put in the good word with the Andes and be like, "Yo, you got to send K Star. You got to send." Well, her. tell them. They like, why, why isn't she not at these shows? We need the K Star. It's, it's all that it is. Heck yeah. We all just need I to like hang girl. out and play a freaking game together. Like, I would love if I'm ever in the area to just like. You are welcome to come to the studio anytime. Literally anytime. Nice. Nice. If we're here, you you can come. It'll be great. We would love to have you. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show this week and sharing your love of RPGs and your knowledge and giving us some insight into what you do at Game Informer. As you heard her say, you can find her in all of those various places. But, of course, if you guys want to help support what Kim does, get a subscription to Game Informer. It is some of the best print work that you're going to find, not only – in video games, but in print magazine work at large. They really do a fantastic job over there, um, and I appreciate everything that you guys do. Um, thank you so much for watching the show this week. Um, Steimer will be back from vacation next week. Um, we are just in time for us to talk about Valentine's Day, Steimer's least favorite holiday of the year. <laughs> I love her. <laughs> Last week she talked at length about how February was her least favorite month. Um, but um, until then, have a fantastic weekend, everyone. Thanks for listening. Take care. Have a good one.